is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we're back on The Blitz. Hour number two, 713-780. ESPN's your number, 713-780-3776. You can also get us on The Blitz Facebook page. Find The Blitz, click like, you're good to go. There's Twitter, at Fred Fowler, at A.J. is the real, at Aaron is Blitz. All right, and we're just going to skip that because we got a guess. Take yeah. it away. Take why are we going to? Why are we going to beat around? I don't want to make him wait around while I'm sitting here rambling. So We've go. got a uh, one of the top bantamweight prospects in in the UFC on the phone, Adrian Yanez, Houston's own. Adrian Yanez joins us on the program. Adrian, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing phenomenal, man. I'm like a couple of days away from the fight, and I'm just ready to get in there already. Is it is it starting to? You know, they talk about UFC jitters, and you obviously did the contender series, and that's. That's a weird situation where there's there's no one else really in in the room uh, when you did it anyway, and then you know you, you've you've ne- you've had a couple of fights now in the UFC. Do you, does it is it starting to feel more real? Is it starting to feel more normal to you as, as each fight passes? Man, honestly, it felt normal from the beginning. I felt like I've always should have should have been there. And uh, going back to uh, to coach. Uh, like for Fortis and May, uh, we're sitting sitting back in, in the in the locker room. Uh, me, Saul, and, uh, and Coach Saif, and uh, we're we're sitting back and he, we're talking. He's like, "You already have so many fights that once you get there, it's going to feel normal. You you're, you're going to be ready for it." And once I stepped in there, you know, I was talking to my coach Saul, and once once I walked in there and after the fight, I was like, "You know what? It didn't feel no different, but it felt like I belonged here." And then uh, everything just kind of just went the way it went, you know, and and that's me fighting to my true potential every single time I go in there. What's you know? How have you grown as a fighter? If you if you look through your your record on Sure Dog, you've never been finished. All of your losses are, are by decision. Two of them by split decisions, and, and two of them to UFC vets. I mean, how how do you feel you've grown? from 2013 when you finished up your amateur career till now like what what's what's the biggest difference from when you started your pro career to where you are right now man it's it's man it's been a lot of working on technique and like uh being able to grow maturity wise because man it's like at at an earlier part of my my career i was pretty immature about a lot of things i took i took some things for granted i took like uh a lot of the the training that i had for granted until i had to uh, put on my big boy pants and go to work and start missing having to miss the morning sessions that I was able to able to attend and like my training sessions got minimum and then like having those close losses, you know, kinda of made me realize that like I have to take this absolutely serious if I want to follow my dream and uh like so the biggest thing for me is just the maturity and uh, you know, kinda of owning up to my own mistakes at, at at times, you know. So uh that's my biggest like thing for like that's that's Help me grow is my maturity because I've always had the talent and I've always had I've always had the speed, the power, uh, the ability to fight. It's just all been mental for me, and the maturity has been like the biggest aspect of me actually going out there and uh, performing at my absolute best. It's funny it, when when you were going on to the contender series. I was listening to some you know some YouTube video about 
guys breaking down what you'd done like before you got to the the contender series and questioning your uh, your level of competition. And if you look at some of the guys, like you look at a Ryan Hollis whose record isn't great, or you look at Colin Wright who I think is like you know nine nine and seven nine and six something like that. On, on paper, those don't look like big wins. But even going back to your amateur career, and you fought, fought Nico Echeverry a couple times, like those guys, they may you may not realize it. Like the the, the people who weren't here in Houston may not realize how good those guys were that you were beating. And then I, I was I was looking today, and I was break. I'm, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to throw some money down on these fights this weekend. And one of my biggest issues with your opponent is before, and I, I've, done, I've I said this the first time he fought. He's had he had three minutes of cage time before he got to the UFC. Like as a professional, he was four and zero with three minutes of cage time. You can't compare the grind that you had to the to, to what he's done to get to the UFC. Do you feel like that gives you a big advantage? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then also too, uh, if you look back to whenever I fought, uh, like Colin Wright and Ryan Hollis, you know their their records might not be as great as now, but I I fought them whenever they were on the, on their hot streak. And like if you go back to when I fought them, I think Colin was like five and one or five five and two at that at that point uh, on a, like a four fight win streak at that point. So those those. Like those guys, like they might not have the. Some of those guys might not have the best record now, but when I fought them, they were they were the guys. They 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 were the uh, they were the killers of uh, Houston at that at that point in time. And kind of going looking and uh, seeing uh, my opponents' uh, uh, fighters, you know, all of, all of those fights that you had only three minutes of cage time, and then going into the UFC, like uh, it honestly it does bring me a lot of confidence because I've been in there with a lot of killers even before I got into the UFC. Like even before, I was fighting Miles Johns, who's like a really, who's a really good bantamweight. Uh, who was supposed to fight last week, but uh, he just knocked out. He just had a performance of the night bonus. Whenever I fought, uh, whenever I fought uh, my my UFC debut, so like he's no chunk, he's no slouch. And I went, I went to, I went to a uh, split decision with that guy in his hometown. So it says a lot about, the, it says a lot about the fight. And just looking at his record, and then even the guys that he fought at those at that level, you know, even the four men, like the four, the four fights that he had, and then uh, you know went against like like the top tier course that I was speaking. My last opponent before I got into the UFC was Kyle Estrada, who was uh, coming off of uh, TKOs, like he knocked people out with leg kicks. So and I was able to grind out like uh, I was able to uh, outstrike him to a outstrike him in the decision and. That guy's a phenomenal striker. So, what does that say about me? I've already been put to the ground, and it gives me a lot of, uh, uh, how can I say, it? like, um, like it, it definitely uh, gives me a whole bunch of like of good positivity behind me, and like look at looking at the fights and just seeing that, uh, you know, I I have the better resume. The weird thing about this, and this is one of those fights that kind of got made by MMA Twitter. Uh, and you guys both pushed for this fight. You pushed for it a while back. You pushed for it back on the on the Houston card. Um, uh, the when Charles Oliveira won the title, that that card you wanted to be on. Is it is it weird for you? Because and I talked to Derek about this a couple Derek Lewis a couple weeks ago, and his biggest regret in his career is that he went into the Daniel Cormier fight and was friendly with Daniel Cormier and and he couldn't he he couldn't find a way to to hate Daniel Cormier and it seems like you and and Randy are very friendly you're very uh, jovial 
Do you worry ever that like you, you're not going to have that killer instinct in there against a guy that you you seem to be kind of buddies with? No, man, no, 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 not really. Honestly, uh, like I can still like somebody and still punch them in the face. Like that's just, especially if we're just going to do it for the sport, man. I fought Nico Etchegray twice, and after my uh, after our first fight, we became really good buds and everything, and uh, we ended up fighting a second time. Uh, still cheer for him to this day. Uh, but man, like even Kyle Estrada, Kyle Estrada was very cordial and like very happy and like uh, cool to talk to and everything. And uh, we even we even took pictures at the weigh-ins and all that stuff together and all that stuff. Uh, so like, man, it I can still like the guy and still want to punch him in the face. And it it really isn't going to bother me because I know whenever we're in the cage, he's doing everything possible to try to put me to sleep. He's doing everything possible to try to break a bone on me or like stop me in any any facet. And I can't let that happen. So like that's my mentality every single time is that I got I got to get him before he gets me and that's my mentality uh, every time I step in there because man like uh, I'm I I don't want to lose I work too hard to lose you know so I'm always in that mind state whenever I walk in the cage like no I'm gonna I'm gonna be the winner of this fight I'm the guy that's gonna be stopping you and we might be friendly but after after this fight I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one being like hey man. You're a great fighter. Thank you, thank you for taking this fight. Like that's that's the fighter that I'm, that that I'm going to be on Saturday. I'm gonna be the guy that says, "Hey man, good fight, man. You're a great fighter, and you know, I hope to see you again in the future." You know, that was that was a great, very great fight, man. Uh, you'll bounce back from that. So that's how that's my mindset every single time. Even if I am friendly, even if uh, even if I'm fighting somebody who I don't like. So uh, that's just my mindset. I have no problem punching someone I like. Is it weird for you, or do you enjoy that? It seems like the not just the, the I want to say the UFC, but like MMA media and MMA fans are already kind of anointing you as a, a future star in this sport. Do do you like that, or do you want? I mean, this is your third UFC fight. Would you rather kind of go the old school way, and once you build up a, a, a you know a six and zero record in the UFC, then have people start talking about you being a future champion? Is it weird that after two fights in the UFC, people are like, "This guy's he's he's the real deal. He's he's got future championship written all over him." Or or do you do you kind of bask in that? Man, it's a it's a bit of both. I I know it's like if they want to shoot me up, then they can shoot me up, but it has to be with the pay. It has to be with a good paycheck. You know, like I I got to make sure uh, my contract straight whenever I start moving up and moving up in rank. So. Uh, but after that, honestly, it's like I don't mind being a workhorse. I don't mind building myself up, and you know. Uh, taking taking the harder road because man, like because once you fight the top fifteen, you really can't get out of it. So you so you want to make sure that you're polished all the way around before you even get to the top fifteen. So to me, I don't mind working working my ass my ass off to get to that uh, to get to that position because I want to get my plans and my goals are to be in the top twenty five, then in the top fifteen, then in the top five, and then after that, I want the belt. So I'm. Like if it takes if it takes uh, ten fights to get there, if it takes six fights or eight fights to get there, it doesn't matter to me as long as I get there. I'm 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 good. But as of right now, you know, I still got this fight in front of me and uh, haven't looked past them. Honestly, like I know a lot of a lot of fighters been asking me, or a lot of uh, uh, media has been asking me what's next. And you know what? Like I haven't re- I haven't looked past them. You know, I do have a timeline of what I want, but I haven't looked past actually the Randy Costa. Like he. He has my full attention. I can't. I can't wait to put a show on Saturday. You know, watching watching film on the two of you, it. it I mean, Randy Costa has some some legit heavy hands, 
but and he he may be the heavier striker between the two of you, but your technique is so advanced. And I, I know your dad was a boxer, and I know you've been you, you're you've been doing this your whole life. I mean, it, it, in your mind, does that does technique win over power? You know, more more often than not, is that something that you believe in? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, you you got to be able to land that land the power. I mean, uh, you have to be able to land the power. So you know, it is it is a, another problem that I have to look at. You know, I have to look at it and be like, oh, he, he has power. You know, I have power, uh, but I have the, I have the better technique. I feel like I'm faster. So I just got to get in there and just just see where he's at because I know there's a little bit of a telegraph that he does, and there's there's a couple things that I can look at and like it's a positive. I look at that as a positive. You know, he's he relies on his power, you know, he tries to come in for the knockout and he gets knocked out. So that, that makes it all the better for me. So I look at it as a positive on both sides, you know. Um, when you, when, but, I mean, your, your, your uh, experience, we talked about your experience, Edge. He's been in the third round once, and, and I mean, he, it, he looked like he was just completely gassed uh, when he got there. Is this a fight where you you might be interested in in taking this fight into deep waters because it's a place that you're comfortable and and you don't think that he is? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I, I train I trained for this fight like it was a five round fight just because I I know I'm gonna have to put him in those deep waters. I know we're gonna have to be in that dark place because I know he's the guy. Even even on his gas, like when he's gassed or whenever he's tired and feels uncomfortable. He still looks to throw. He still looks to put you out every single shot that he throws. So I know I'm going to have to put myself in that dark place and, and put myself in the in the middle of the fire at times. But I do, and at, at the end of the day, this is why I've been saying it's this is why my prediction has always been a second round knockout because the first round, I know he's going to come out guns blazing, and me, it's, it's going to be pretty much me trying to do the Floyd Mayweather counter, hit, hit him here, move around, uh, pop him with some shots, make him make them miss a lot, and then after that, you know, capitalize on whatever I can capitalize. And then uh, second round, when he starts slowing down, that's when I start pouring it on. And whenever I start landing my shots, I don't think he's going to be able to take them. That's why I think the second round knockout would be there. When uh, when Sean O'Malley's opponent pulled out a couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of people asking asking you to jump up and take that shot. I, I told people I think that's silly. The UFC doesn't want two guys like that are you know guys that they've kind of anointed as the next big thing fighting against each other at this point uh but i mean are are those the kind of, like when when you talk about you know what's next and obviously you're not looking past a fight but you did say you have a plan of when you want to get there what's the what's the next level of of guy you're looking to get to is it a top 15 guy is it a top 10 guy what are you looking for and honestly i'm still ranked outside the uh, top 25 so i'm just trying to budge into the top 25 so that's that's my next goal you know i'm not um i would love to overstep and get into the top 15 but i know this this division is a stack of killers and usually a fight with like a fight to this magnitude with me and randy costa me knocking them out should have put should put me in the top 15 but the top stack this division is like it, it gets me in the top 25 so i like i know i'm pretty realistic whenever it comes to a lot of these things and i, I make a good outlook so if i knock out any cost, I would like to get back in there probably September, early October, and and then after that, like fight fight someone who's a, who's in the top twenty five and take their spot, and then fight again uh, by the end of November, and you know hopefully get into the in a better position where I'm knocking knocking for a guy for a uh, top fifteen guy. So that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at. Uh, but a Sean O'Malley fight that that would definitely be in the cards, probably in. Uh, in 2022, if I'm like 
if I just keep on going out there and performing. That's because that's the biggest thing. I have to go out there and perform. I have to keep stopping people to keep this uh, uh, this superstar or like this uh, rise, this uh, potential superstar status going. You know, I got to keep going out there and performing and, and trying to finish you guys. Uh, and you know, good thing like I, I, that's the way that's the way I fight. I'm always coming forward. I don't like taking steps back. Last question before we let you go, Adrian. And I, we've talked to a, a lot of different guys who have different goals in this sport. And Alex Morano is one of the guys who who kind of stands out to me. Who's always said, you know, if I if I'm ever a champion, cool. He's like, but I want, I just want to entertain. I want to put on crazy fights. I want to be in these wars that people look up on YouTube. I want, I want to be, I want to have memorable fights more than I, I care about being a champion. What's your, what, what drives you in, in this sport? Like, what's your, what's your long term goal? What's the most important thing to you? Man, to me, I, I just want to, I just want to prove to myself that I'm the best in the world. You know, it, you know it. It, we are in the sport of entertainment, and you do want to entertain people and and everything, you know, but at the same time, you know, like, I want to go out there and perform to the best of my abilities to show, to prove that I am one of the best, if not the best, best in the world, especially in my division. And that's what keeps me driving. That's what keeps pushing me, and that's what I'm inspired to do. And honestly, like, I, I you know, as harsh as it might sound, sometimes, like, I, at times, I kind of don't care what, what, if anybody else is entertained, as long as I, I keep performing to the best of my abilities, I know people will be entertained. But I I don't really care too much. If like, man, if, if I could fight with no crowd and fight with uh, nobody watching, that would be fine too. Just because like I know like if it's still in the UFC, I'm going out there and I'm still putting on these wins, putting on these fights, and I and I go out there and I I would win a belt without nobody watching. I still know that I'm the best in the world in that in that division, you know. But. uh Honestly, like I, it's it's all it's all for me. You know, I want to go out there and prove that I'm the best in the world, and that's what drives me. All right, that's Adrian Yanez. You can see him on Saturday night. Uh, got bumped up to the main card, huh? Oh yeah, man! I, I was super excited. It ha- happened uh, out of nowhere because we initially we were supposed to be on the main card. Then, uh, like a week or, week or two ago, we found out that we're uh, prelims and bummed me out, but. I was like, oh, well, you know what? This means more time for us to go out and, you know, and be able to do some stuff and eat uh, before we sleep and fly home. Uh, but then they bumped us to the main card. I was like, all right, you know, it's bittersweet, you know, <laughs> uh, a little bit later, less time to do stuff. But, you know, hey, it's fun. I get more eyes on me. Uh, it's going to be fun because this is a great fight, which deserves to be uh, in a good slot. You know, both of us, me me and Randy, are, are great fighters, and we're going to go out there and put on a show you know i get the tko i get the knockout you know but it's still gonna be a great show all right man i'm looking forward to seeing it that's adrian yanez best of luck to you man represent houston well my man man thank you so much all right appreciate it uh i'm gonna tell you guys about underdog fantasy you're looking for a place to uh to to get in on some action whether it be best ball for football or you want to you, you want to do uh baseball parlays where you can basically say Who's going to throw more strikeouts, this guy or this guy? You get you get five of those, boom, 20 to one, you can get paid out. Uh, lots of ways to do it. And here's the great thing about that best ball. If you sign up, use the promo code radio when you sign up, you're going to get a free $25. And then you can enter the biggest best ball tournament in the whole wide world for that $25 that's got a million-dollar first prize and $3.5 million in total prizes. Uh, so that $25, bucks, you are basically getting a free entry when you use promo code radio 
when you sign up. Why wouldn't you do it? Uh, of course, you can check them out in the App Store. You can check them out at underdogfantasy.com. Terms and conditions apply, as always. Uh, but go out there, have yourself some fun, make yourself some money. That's underdogfantasy.com. Going on, made a million. I don't know what to blow it on. I tell a critic, shut up, like my show is on. Give a T-shirt to a set, throw it on. She want a mini. This, this is the Blitz, the Blitz on ESPN, ESPN. 97.5. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fowler and AJ Hoffman, and we are back on the Blitz. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN is your number. Somebody really tweeted out: If DeAndre Hopkins retires, did the Texans win the trade? No, <laughs> and he ain't retiring. I, that's one of those. He that, might though. I don't know. They, uh, may, they might win the trade if he does that. No, they don't win the trade under any circumstances because <laughs> you still have uh, David Johnson on the roster. That's true. Um, couple things. Uh, any chance we get another poker tournament or maybe a sports map elite members? Uh, yeah, actually, and I'll, I'll talk about this more at launch. But uh, we're going to do a free roll for uh, first five hundred people who sign up, and once we get to a thousand, we'll do another one. So, like, uh, there'll, there'll be some free roll tournaments for you guys. We get enough sign-ups, we'll, we'll do a WSOP qualifier just for members. So, uh, we'll do it all online like we did the charity tournaments. And still on for an August 1st launch, and uh, first month will be free. So, look, it's, it's we're almost there. And uh, been looking at stuff and talking to people all day. So, um. I wanted to get back to the college football stuff because there's there's a ton of things that we haven't talked about yet. And one thing that I want to throw out there, and I, and I want to point out, this is pure speculation, okay? The, pure. This, yeah, pure 100%. I'm, I'm not, this is not based on anything I've heard from anyone. So let's say this happens, and you've got the 16-team SEC. The... Common thought is, oh, the other the other conferences will have to react and add teams. Yeah, if you're the Big Ten, do you really need to? Because you're not gonna. I mean, you're kind of you're the best other than right now. Yeah, what's out there that's going to add money for you? Here's, it would just be adding numbers. It would be adding numbers, but getting your Big Ten footprint into Texas would maybe make some sense. Now, I don't know that Texas Tech and Baylor or Texas Tech and TCU, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze for those teams, but you could get a footprint into Texas, which would be big for TV purposes. Except Outside now, of that, I don't, I don't... Yeah, but you know what? There's not a school you could take there that's going to increase your money. In fact, you're probably decreasing it because you're splitting it to another mouth. But you are you are getting the Big Ten Network into... Big Ten Network's already here. Yeah. So. Um, well, it's here. It's not everywhere. It's I, not in Austin. Mm, is it going to get in Austin because of tech? I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't think so. I would imagine if the Big Ten was in Texas, it would be everywhere. Maybe. But I, I, but, I mean, but, but tech doesn't 
bring you the state the way Texas or A&M no, does. No, they don't. And, and Tech and TCU don't bring you the state. And TCU's got, what, 75,000 alum. So um, there's no interest. Uh, I, I could just say it, this is where it's going to piss people off. These other teams that will get left out, the Big Ten's not going to be interested in them. I mean, what does Iowa State or Kansas add to the Big Ten? Iowa State adds nothing because they're already in the state of Iowa. I, I think they would legitimately look to avoid places where they already have their footprint. But Kansas obviously adds for basketball purposes. But who cares? And But there's no nobody lives in Kansas. You've already got – you're you're fine in basketball. Yeah. You don't need Kansas. Um, so I, I, I could see one of two things. But happening. I could see them wanting to go to 16. Why? So that, that, that's, that's my whole point is why split up money when you're already making this much. If you're going to make a move, it's going to be to make more money. Yeah. You're going to get a great TV deal as you are because, for one thing, the SEC is going to get the best one. We get that. But do you really think that adding Texas Tech or Kansas is going to get you a better TV deal if you're the Big 12, 10 and you're splitting money up more? Yeah. You're going to get a great deal because somebody's going to say, man, we better get the Big 10 or else we're going to get stuck with a Pac-12. Unless to me, the schools that make sense, or the the places that make sense, not even the schools that that make sense for the Big Ten, if they were to add, are schools in states where they don't have their footprint already that are actually worth being in, and the ones that kind of jump out. I mean, Texas jumps out to you, obviously. You'd love to be in Texas. Everybody would love to have some part of Texas. The, but the problem is the the schools the, that are there. The needle movers are gone. Yeah. Uh, the one other school that kind of. That I that I was thinking about if they do expand is Memphis because it gets you into Tennessee. It kind of I mean it really gets you into Arkansas as well. Not that Arkansas is some prize pig, but it, it's a it, Memphis yeah. is the only way into Tennessee that the SEC doesn't already have, <laughs> and it's not an I mean. But again, these aren't needle moving programs. No, they're, no, they're, they're not I, money programs. Well, let, let me tell you this: if the Big Ten was going would expand. I think there's one thing they should, and this is the pure speculative part. There's one thing they should do that would, I think, at least become pretty close to matching what the SEC is doing with Texas and Oklahoma, which on the surface sounds like, oh, there's no way they could do that. Sure, they could. Notre Dame, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia. It's possible, although I'm sure that those schools are, have some sort of contractual agreement. All, all these agreements can be gotten out. Sure. I, that's, that's why it's about to happen. But I mean, if to me the Big Ten should either stay put, or you do that, because that, from a brand perspective, Notre Dame and Clemson are uh, as close as you're going to get to Texas and Oklahoma. Now Notre Dame's always rejected it, but if they don't have their little pet ACC anymore, at some point they're going to have to make that decision, right? Yeah. So anyway, that that just that's a purely wildly speculative thought. But if the big to me the Big Ten either stays put, or that's what they would do because there's no point in them adding schools that don't add value, and of the remaining schools that are out there, the, the only thing that's going to add value to the Big Ten right now would be, and maybe maybe it's not Virginia, maybe it's Pittsburgh, but it would be rating the top of the ACC. And imagine if that happens, what the hell happens to the ACC? I mean, they're, they're probably scooping up crumbs from what was left of the Big Twelve, and then yeah. That suddenly they're not a, a viable conference. I think that this may be we may be headed in that direction of having four sort of 
super conference, like 16-team well, conferences. I'm saying we may not even have We four. might not have four. If, if, if that kind of thing happens, the ACC is not any different than – I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing as what, what happened to the Big 12, and you just comp- you add all the, uh, the, the lesser lights together, it doesn't make you a star. One thing I will say about the ACC is, and, and they are more than, more than even the Big 10, certainly more than the SEC, they are proud and profitable – of their basketball program, yeah. So like they, I mean, the like Duke sucks at football almost every year, but they're a worthwhile member for for basketball reasons. Uh, and, and and that may that may lead those schools to say no. And you know, and and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, if I'm Clemson, do I? I mean, I'm, okay, I'm going to make a lot more money though. If you're going to make a lot more money, because I do think that would move the needle for him TV wise, but. Yeah, you know, and and I know everybody has their their contractual agreements with their conferences. Yeah. Uh, anybody who knows lawyers knows you can get out of every single one of those. It's one of the first things uh, a lawyer told me was contracts are made to be getting, gotten out of. That's how you write them. So, um, but I mean that would be that would be the only way that I I could see the Big Ten wanting to expand. And I think there's a lot of problems with it. Like I said, I don't know that those schools would even go. But. Um, in order for in order for them, but otherwise, why else? Why else? Why, why expand? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Junior uh, Broncos says Texas Tech makes the final piece to giving the Pac-12 a super conference with sixteen teams. I got news for it: the Pac-12 was going to take Texas Tech only because they were getting Texas. The Pac-12 has no interest in a team, a program like Texas Tech. They don't want to no. be in a market like Lubbock. The Pac-12 fancies themselves like a a an arts type uh, conference. They they're not looking for that. Like they barely I, took Utah. Yeah, you know what? Uh, and we'll talk about. This. I, I think a school like Rice would have a better chance of getting into the Pac-12 than Texas Tech. Probably so. And I know that their, like, their academics are better. Like it, yeah, it, it, that's not a crazy thing to say. There. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think either one of them have a chance. But no. that's the kind of school they would look at before they look at Tech. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm ignoring most of what you guys are chatting about on Twitch, but. It sure sounds like a lot of you could use Blue Chew. And uh, guys, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. And it's an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. And guys, I got to tell you, everything, everything I'm telling you is true because I went through the whole process and signed up for it. You sign up at BlueChew.com, you consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. It's all online. And uh, they're going to work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. And if you don't like swallowing pills, not a problem. Uh, BlueChew's tablets are chewable. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it comes time to perform, visit BlueChew.com. And a special deal just for you. Try BlueChew free. When you use our promo code BLITZ at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code BLITZ to receive your first month free. Your home for sports is ESPN 97.5. This 
is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. You know, the ACC, I think, will pick somebody off. Uh, the Pac-12 will have to. The Big Ten will have to go shopping. And I think we're going to see another uh, wild, wild west gold rush here uh, in, in college football. And, and you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll basically see a bunch of super teams and. And, you know, the SEC at 16, I'm not sure it stops there. Uh, you know, we, we just may end up with two or th- with three super conferences, uh, and your only relevance now is you know, being in one of those and, and getting in the college football playoff. And we're back on the Blitz. Who was that? That was Paul Feinbaum. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I've, I've read about a thousand stories about Paul Feinbaum said this. I don't think I've ever heard his voice. Well, now you have. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think... Now, I, I can't see the SEC expanding beyond 16. I can't either. Um, That's the limit because now... Because there's nobody else really that would be worth expanding for with the exception of Ohio State, Michigan, and they're not leaving the, no. the Big Ten. Uh, where, where I think it, I, this goal rush thing that he's talking about, where I think it hits a snag is there aren't going to be enough teams that are viable. That once, because let's let's be honest, and and again, this has nothing to do with what you've done on the field. But what value does TCU, Baylor, Tech, Kansas State? What do you bring to a conference in terms of branding? And it has nothing to do with. I mean, look, those are those are all fantastic schools, but yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conferences that aren't going to take religious schools. So draw a line through TCU and yep. Baylor. Uh, Tech's academics are going to be a problem for the Pac-12. Sorry. And, you know, Lubbock's not a great market. You've got a lot of alums, which is good. That's a plus. You got about 200,000, I think, active. So that's good. But, you know, that it's just that. And so that's a problem. So if, if you, you're the Big Ten, I don't think you go after anybody. And then somebody suggested Penn State to the ACC. Penn State's not leaving the Big Ten. No, they're they're very happy there. And no, see, that's the thing. Nobody's leaving the SEC. I, I I can see no one leaving the Big Ten. They make too much money. Those two are the safe ones. Yeah. So let's and, and honestly, the Pac-12 is safe. The, the schools that are in the Pac-12 now are safe. Yeah, they actually make more money than yeah. a lot of people realize. Nobody's looking to leave that situation. No. So it, really, it it could be three. It could be. But if you if you say Texas and Oklahoma to uh, to the the SEC, that's sixteen. Let's say you say random two more schools to the Big Ten, that's sixteen. I don't think any conference is going to want more than sixteen teams. I, I think at that point it does kind of become an arms race, and the ACC and the Pac twelve would certainly be the front runners to to start filling those spots. It's just a matter of who they would fill them with. Yeah, see, I, I'm I'm a little more skeptical of that than you are. I don't think I, I maybe the ACC does and, and the Pac-12, but if I'm the Big Ten, I don't need to get to 16 teams to be more relevant in those those uh, conferences. And and if, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm picking and choosing. So if Notre Dame says they want to come, sure, okay, you know we'll make that happen. Well, I think Notre Dame's long had a chance to go to the Big Ten. Yeah. They don't want to, they, they, and they they don't really want to not be an independent. And the the deal the ACC has with them, where they yeah. can kind of be a sometime member, but they're yeah. still basically an independent. Yeah, they like. I that. think they like that. Yeah, but I mean, if they if if they came knocking on your door, you would say yes. And other than that, 
and I and in no disrespect to the Kansases of the world, you don't bring any value, and not to the Big Ten. Now the ACC is going to have to look to teams like that, and the Pac-12 is going to have to look to teams like that. But I also think, and I do think those those two would have to expand. So I think you'll have four super conferences, but they're not all going to be sixteen teams. But also, I don't know that the um the the teams that are you know left out of the Big Twelve or anything. I don't know that the the that those teams are going to be part of any expansion. Like you you would think, well, they're former Power Five programs. I don't know that they are part of an expansion plan. And I, I've read before that. The Pac-12, when they looked at expansion, they basically said, if we can get Texas and Oklahoma, we'll take them. If not, we're happy with what we've got. And that might be the case. Yeah, and, and uh, Jamban Degenerate Gambler, Gambler says Pac-12's been eyeballing Boise State and BYU for No, years. that's a lie. No. That's a lie. Boise, Boise State, State and BYU are eyeballing the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. The Pac-12's not taking a religious school. Period. End of discussion. It's over. And... Boise again. That's Boise's not a sexy market. They they're they're they not looking it. for that. No. Um, the they they would be more likely to take like a UNLV or something like that. It's a, a crappy program in a glitzy city. They would much rather have that than than Boise. Uh, agreed. And I also think. Um, and, and a lot of people have been asking me about what all this means for UH, and I'm like, listen, UH has done everything it can do. You know, when they and, and people stop bringing up the whole politics and stuff from the SDS, the Southwest Conference. UH was a mess back then. Well, they've built a brand new stadium. They built state of the art facilities. They spent money on the program. They uh, they they spend as much as anybody, uh, more than a lot of Power Fives. They do have a good market. They do have a good following. Um, if they don't get in here on this one, they're not getting in. It's that simple. And I don't know that they will. I think especially it depends on what happens. I mean, but they'll, they'll have as good a case as a lot of these schools that were in a Power 5 that aren't anymore. Because they, that's the only value they have is that they're in a Power 5. Right. What, like what makes – and now I shouldn't say Baylor because Baylor's done a lot to improve their facilities as well. But what makes UH less attractive than TCU? Well, I'll throw Baylor in there. UH, twice as many alums – in fourth largest market in the city, yeah, ver, uh, country versus Waco, uh, and, and you know I'm not trying to make a case for UH because I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think I think UH benefits unless the only way I think they don't, and I think it's a real possibility, if the Big Ten stands pat and the ACC and the Pac-12 decide, you know what, do we really want Boise or do we want to just stay put? We're not taking Tech, we're not taking Okie State. Um, I think what's left of the Big 12, if it were to expand to 12 and take four teams out of the American that weren't UH, then that would suck. That That's the one, one scenario where I see a complete loss for Houston. I don't think that'll happen because one of the guys I was talking to was like, well, why would uh, Baylor and Tech want UH in there? They'd want to keep them out. I was like, ah, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a good relationship between the presidents of all those schools. I mean... You always plays tech all the time, and they all work together to get yep. a Baylor game. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's the issue. I just think they, you know, may decide to do something else. But that's that's the one one thing that could happen where they get totally screwed. Sorry, sorry to throw that water. I, I told you I was going to piss everybody off.
whatever you're a fan of, unless you're a Longhorn or Sooner today. <laughs> it ain't good for anybody yeah. but them. <laughs> That's it. All right, quick break. It's the Blitz at ESPN 97.5, And I know it's true. I say I do. And half the time I don't. Be I can't make what it may take to leave this thing behind. But I shut my eyes and cross each line and every time. This is the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. Real fun sports. You're listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. All right. We're back on the Blitz. Win a four-pack of tickets to see Jack Ingram this Friday, July 23rd at Lagoon Fest, Texas. Come get your country music fix as Jack Ingram and Cody West take the stage. You and three friends also in an afternoon pass to the Lagoon. So come early and take a dip before the concert. Lagoon Fest Texas is the largest lagoon in the state located in Texas City. The summer concert series is just kicking off, so keep listening to win tickets to other shows all summer long. See a list of live concerts and get tickets now at LagoonFestTexas.com. All right, uh, let's do the Zadok Jewelers Gem of the Day. The Gem of the Day. It's the Gem of the Day. All right, we go to, shocker, Florida, where, um, you know, a lot of people in Texas have swimming pools, and a lot of people in Florida have swimming pools. The, uh, what you don't usually see is your neighbor just walking over and using your pool without uh, permission. And doing it completely naked. And uh, 69-year-old James Clark told police that he spotted clothing that was not his by the pool. He looked around to find a naked white female in the pool. When cops arrived at, at Clark's Port Charlotte home, the woman later identified as Heather Kennedy, 42, was still in the pool. Uh, she did not want to identify herself or explain why she was there. Um, she was hostile and requested for law enforcement to leave her alone. Because, yeah, that's kind of what happens. Law enforcement's not going to mess with you when you're trespassing naked. See, now, my first thought, if I'm a 69-year-old man and I wander home and there's a naked blonde in my pool, uh, my, my first thought is that's a positive. But, nah, uh, she clearly uh, clearly had issues. And the police tried to coax her out of the water. She eventually exited but then struggled with officers as they sought to handcuff her. And uh, she was charged with trespassing and resisting without violence. Uh, she's scheduled to be sexy on August the 4th. And that is your Zadok Jewelers Gem of the Day. The Gem of the Day. It's the Gem of the Day. The Zadok Jeweler Gem of the Day. 555 and call her five for the bleeping giveaway, okay? You can, Thank you. You can start doing these if you want. You want to be critical. I mean, I just, my the intern needed somebody to give them to and didn't know when and what number. Mm. 
Let's be honest. She was on meth. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. But I, I that's, that's one of those things that probably started off as a pleasant surprise until you saw that she was belligerent and probably messed up. And then you're like, mm, okay. Uh, all right. I think, I think I've covered all the angles that I wanted to on college football except for one thing. One last little bit, and then I'm done. Maybe. The, the one thing people keep saying is, well, none of this makes geographic sense. Who cares? Well, and here's why. When conferences were formed back in the day, in the 1920s, it wasn't easy to get on an airplane. No. And we have this new invention now. Flight. Yeah. The, the, the Wright brothers came up with it. And uh, it's grown into a, a thing where you can get anywhere, in, especially in the United States, in three or four hours for the most part. You know, there's some long trips. You know, Seattle's probably five. Uh, but for the most part, three or four hours on a plane. Yeah. Now, it, right, listen, it gets expensive. For the Big Ten the, goes the, from Nebraska to Rutgers. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, it, there's there's some long trips in, in the Big Ten already. The 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 SEC goes from or the ACC goes from Miami to Syracuse, which is the whole Eastern Seaboard. Yeah. I mean, there's there's long trips regardless. Hell, uh, Washington to Arizona. Is a long, yeah. long trip. Yeah. So no one's no one's worried about that like like they used to be. <laughs> but it, where it gets expensive is for your non revenue teams to travel. Sure. But when you're making more money, that covers that. And Hip Hop Anonymous says airplanes sounds like witchcraft, Fred. It is. This is the work of gypsies. Yeah. And yeah, you know, West Virginia is always a hard trip to get to. Sure. But so, I mean, it, it doesn't, none of that bothers me that you're going to have teams in the Pac 12 that aren't on the Pacific Coast. Um, it, it's just, but, a, but yeah, I mean, Baylor or Texas Tech to West Virginia is cross country. Yeah. That's, you know, that's like one of the hardest, pl- that in Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas is the hardest place to get to. Yeah. <laughs> which is, Ames, which, Iowa is not far behind. And, which is why when all this starts happening, I mean, those are going to be factors. It's like, well, look how hard it's going to be to get to Manhattan, Kansas. Do yep. we really want to add that? Do we want to add it? Yeah. I, I, I think the Kansas schools are in trouble. Can't, the Jayhawks are in less trouble because someone may take them because they're, they've got a, they've got one of probably 10 basketball programs in the country. That's profitable that, on its own. It, yeah. That moves the needle. Yeah. And I, that I could see the, the ACC being interested in for Kansas. sure because that would be because they pride that you were t- you were talking they pride themselves on basketball you add that and now you get you get home and homes with Duke and Kansas every year that's that's North Carolina those are money makers yeah so uh, but Kansas State sorry and yeah. if and if and I know you know Kansas State would say well you're not going to leave us are you Kansas we're we're uh, we're rivals and they're like well. Well, y'all are going to be in the the Mountain West. We're not going to do. We're, we're out of here. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Do we want to be in the ACC or the Mountain West? This ain't a hard decision. Yeah, because sorry, friends. Yeah, I don't think, uh, and I don't think the ACC is going hey, oh, to. Oh, ACC ain't want Kansas State. No, but they would. They, they don't want Iowa State. Why? Mm, yeah, I, I think if if the ACC were to expand, they would take 
West Virginia and Kansas. I think that's probably the the, the two easiest fits. But that that only gets you to does that get them to sixteen two now? Um, well, because you kind of got the whole Notre Dame factor. Yeah, Notre Dame's a weird a weird thing. Um, let's see how many does the ACC? That would put them at seventeen. Oh, really? They're at fifteen right now. Counting Notre Dame? No. Okay, so they're uh, they're at sixteen in basketball already. Fifteen yeah. in football. Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, Syracuse, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Louisville, North Carolina, Duke, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, Boston College, Clemson, Miami, Virginia. Boy, they need to kick some of those out of there. Um, so Boston College and Wake Forest and Syracuse. Uh, beat it. So you would take Kansas. You, that'd be it. Yep. Probably. Unless you want West Virginia for football, which I, I think if I'm them, I probably want Kansas. Because... But there's a lot of the old Big East in the ACC that may True. say, let's take West Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. How much say do they have? I don't they, know. All those programs yeah, a good, suck. good question, yeah. I'm guessing Duke and North Carolina and Clemson pretty much make all the decisions there. Maybe Florida State and Miami, too. But, all right. Hey, guys, I'll, I'll tell you about a decision. Here's a good one for you. Let's say you got a vehicle. It's not running. And it's a car. It's a truck. It's a motorcycle. Uh, you know, who knows? And you were going to fix it, or you're going to sell it, and you just never got around to it. Now it's gotten all rusty, and it's, it's crappy, and it's messing up your garage. Well, how about this? Here's a way to get a tax write-off, to do a good thing, and to get rid of that thing, and get a $50 Visa gift card. Just go to carsforkids.org, or you can call them, 713-225-4226. Donate your vehicle, and it'll take anything, running or not, and it benefits the Houston Can Academies. If you mention ESPN Houston, you're going to get a $50 Visa gift card as a thank you. And uh, if you don't have the title, not a problem. They'll do the title work for you, including search and transfer, and you get a tax write-off. And uh, the cool thing is this helps local kids get a second chance at a diploma at the Houston Can Academy. So go to carsforkids.org, 713-225-4226, and write off the car, not the kid. comes to sports betting, sportsmapbets.com is the site you need. From weekly betting guides to single game breakdowns of the point spread, money line, over, under, and more, sportsmapbets has all the info you need to make the best play. sportsmapbets.com.